Our first reading and our gospel today are obviously all about marriage and family life, God's original plan from the beginning and the clear prohibition against divorce for followers of Jesus. And I want to I want to get to those very important teachings, but maybe do so in the context of something that uh, struck me from the second reading today and also the, the church's liturgical calendar over these past days. And that is that rather peculiar line in the second reading from the letter to the Hebrews in which it says that Jesus was made for a little while lower than the angels. Lower than the, the angels. And I, I thought I would maybe talk a little bit about this rather perplexing and sometimes misunderstood notion of angels. This, this past week, we celebrated two big feast days of angels. One on Wednesday was the feast day of the, the archangels. Scripture tells us that it seems like there are seven archangels, and we know the names of three of those, famously Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. And then just yesterday, on Saturday, we celebrated the feast day of perhaps the most beloved angels known to us, and that is the guardian angels. Now, we often will also hear angels mentioned in, in scripture, and in the mass, you might notice that in that, that prayer, right before we go into the, the prayer of consecration, the, the Eucharistic prayer, a little prayer called the preface, you often hear it ending by saying, and so with thrones and dominions, with all the hosts and powers of heaven, what are these thrones and, and dominions and archangels and angels? Or even there's a, a popular hymn in the church. Cry out dominions, princedoms, powers, virtues, archangels, angels, choirs. So now we've got principalities and princedoms and powers, virtues. These are all names for what are, are commonly referred to as choirs of angels or, or various divisions in a, a hierarchy of angels. If you want to get really technical about it, uh, Dionysius, one of the writers in the early days of the, the church, said that there are nine choirs or orders of, of angels. And so thrones, dominions, you might probably more readily recognize cherubim and, and seraphim. These are all names for these various choirs of angels. So when you hear thrones and dominions right before the Eucharistic prayer, we're not talking about... Uh, chairs or like regal thrones or things like that, but rather names for the various orders of angels. So why all this emphasis on angels and that the church, you know, bringing the angels to mind, even at the most important time of, of the mass? Well, it's, it's because I think it's meant to draw our attention to the fact that there is an entire another reality out there that is beyond the visible world that we can see. Isn't that beautiful in the creed? We think we speak that we believe in things visible and invisible. Well, the visible is this created world that we see, but there is an entire another part of creation that we do not see. In fact, an entire another order of beings, namely the angels, that are, at least normally, completely invisible to us. What is an angel then? Well, an angel is a person, it's, it's a creature created by God, but without any visible physical principle. 
They are pure spirit, like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who are pure spirit. The angels have no physical reality. They are people like us, so they have intellect and will. They have personality, but they are not visible. And so they, they don't change with time. They were created by God in an instant. And like human beings, they too were given a chance to either choose God or choose against God. And most of the angels chose God, but some of them chose against God. And these angels we call the, the fallen angels or demons. Now, I think the angels have, have something very important for us right at this time in history, because perhaps no more than at any time in history have we struggled so much with believing that all there is is what we can see. We might, we might call this today uh, the heresy of scientism. Science is a very good thing, mind you. Science just means knowledge. So scientists from the earliest days of science wanted to experiment upon the world and observe what we could because in observing creation and how it works, thought is we, we come closer to God, the creator who made everything. The problem today is that we tend to think that for something to be real, for something to be true, it has to be able to be proved by a scientific method, which by its very definition relies on the visible things, things we can see, things we can pick up and experiment in our lab, put in a, a test tube, weigh on a scale, bring into the laboratory. These are things that science, well and good, can test and verify and experiment upon. And we, we arrive at truths, laws of the creation. At least we call them laws because they seem to repeat themselves in a predictable way. But where we go wrong today is thinking that unless I can experiment upon it, unless I can test it, then it's not real. Well, that is, that's ignoring the better part of science or all knowledge because there's an entire other world out there that is not visible and by its very definition, therefore, cannot be experimented upon, cannot be put in a laboratory, but nonetheless is completely real and true. So meditating today on the angels, I think is a very valid and kind of way to right the ship, as it were, of a society that tends to believe only in the visible and not the invisible. This is why the church calls to mind, I think, the angels right before we consecrate the Eucharist to remind us that even as we gather in this church, there is so much more here than is visible. And I don't mean just that the Eucharist itself makes Jesus present, but not in a visible way that we see Jesus. We see bread and wine, even though we know this is really Jesus. So right there, there's something beyond the visible. But more than that, I mean that just in this church, Gathered right now are visible creatures, you and I, human beings, but there is an entire invisible world that gathers with us right now. The angels gather with us. That's why we pray right before the consecration with thrones and dominions, with all the angels and hosts of powers of heaven. They join us, we say, and then we pray that prayer, holy, holy, holy. That's, that's right out of scripture. It says that's what the angels are praying in heaven. Holy, holy, holy. So right before we do something that is 
incredibly power on the invisible level, namely the Eucharist, we call to mind that there are entire groups of people present that we do not see, that are invisible, namely the angels and the saints. Whenever I go to uh, high school classrooms as a high school chaplain, the, the students always loved to ask about exorcism. They were fascinated by the idea that people could be possessed by demons. And I, to some extent, you're like, well, that's not good that the students are so focused on demons. Like, actually, I think it's a very good thing because in a classroom in which they are taught sometimes that the only things real are those that we can see, I think it's very good that they have a, a, a curiosity about demons because if you can be curious about fallen angels, you can also be curious about not fallen angels. And most importantly, just be curious about things that are true but yet are not seen. I was at Barnes & Noble just the other day and you've got the, the game aisle, you know, you can buy a copy of Monopoly or, or Dominion or Shoots and Ladders or Trails to Rails, something like that. They got all these games and right next to there is a, a stack of Ouija boards. Now, if you're not familiar with this, this is not a game. <laughs> this is a way to like invoke invisible spirits to, to conjure them up and I, Mental note here, if, if you want to get possessed by a demon, that's a good start, you know, because when you're invoking spiritual beings, you don't know who's answering. And a lot of times that may be a demon answering. But I do like the fact that people in the classrooms, at least, realize that angels, demons, they're real. Ouija boards for sale in Barnes and Noble tends to say that this is all a game. It's play. I assure you it's not. Every diocese has a priest appointed as exorcist to deal with people who are harassed, maybe even possessed by demons. They're real. And so a little curiosity about that, I think is good because it says, this is serious business. There really are angels and demons. This last week, as I said, we had the, the celebrations of the archangels, these powerful chief angels. That's what archangel means. It's kind of the, it's the second choir of angels. There's the guardian angels is the first choir. And then the, the second choir or order of angels are the archangels. They're the ones that are sent with really important messages. In fact, the, the word angel means messenger. It's more of a, a function. Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, we have these three big ones. And then all those other angels. So today, maybe first, let's just get in our heads that there is much more to what is true and what is real than meets the eye, <laughs> literally. There are things we cannot see, the invisible, things that go beyond what meets the eye. And in that context then, uh, to be thankful for the, the angels, especially our, our guardian angels that are, are with us all the time, I, I happen to think my guardian angel must be pretty happy to, to be at mass. And all your angels are pretty happy this morning because at least for a while, uh, they're not out preventing you from committing some serious sin or preventing you from falling into some danger, at least while you're in church at Mass. I got to think our angels are like, okay, little rest break. And they get to join their other heavenly friends and the other choirs of angels at Mass, and it's all very beautiful. But maybe I'll, I'll just end today by returning to that, that context of marriage then. In our first, and, our first reading of Gospel, uh, Jesus is reminding us that there was an original creation. There are the way things were, quote, in the beginning. When Jesus says in the gospel, in the beginning, 
divorce and separation. It was not so. This is not the way God made things. He's deliberately returning our mind to that time at the beginning of creation in the book of Genesis. Jesus clearly in our gospel today says divorce is not part of his plan anymore for creation. Yes, before Jesus came, Moses allowed divorce because literally men were going to kill their wives if they couldn't divorce them. Talk about hardness of heart. That's how low things had gotten. Jesus says no more. (laughs) It's not the way it will be amongst Christians. And yet look what we've done. Also, if there's something that plagues modern society, it's not just that we ignore the invisible. We tend to reduce all things to merely the concrete, tangible things we can touch. And so we tend to reduce even intangible things like marriage and sexuality down to something that is merely things we can control. Why are we so interested in the visible and not the invisible? Because we think we can control the visible and the invisible, like that's out of our control, so let's pretend it doesn't even exist. This is especially true when it comes to marriage. We have reduced marriage down to something that we think we can control. It's just a, a temporary mutual agreement between two mere human beings, merely on the level of the visible, that if we don't like it, we can end it. It's, it's just a, a contract. That's the way people treated marriage at the time of, of Jesus. There is much more going on with marriage than meets the eye. There is an entire invisible reality taking place. That's why Jesus goes back rightfully to say two become one. And he doesn't mean just physically. The physical two becoming one in marital intimacy is a a sign, but it points to an invisible reality that takes place on the level of the soul. Husband and wife are joined in a way that is beyond the visible. On the wedding day, God takes two and makes one. And by the way, the couple asks God to do this. They literally come before God in the church and say, take the two of us and make us one in a way that is so permanent that we can't undo it. That's why it is a great lie to say that a husband could divorce his wife or a wife could divorce her husband and simply go on as if nothing happened. There is an invisible reality, a new reality that takes place when two become one at the altar at marriage. It's not on the level of the visible. It's on the level of written in in heaven, on the level of the soul of the two people, and we are not in control of the new reality that God brings about. So in this context, I think the angels can can help us, even with marriage, to say we've, we've got to stop treating this as if it's just so ordinary, that we can bring it together and tear it apart and terrible, terrible consequences for society. And that is very, very visible right now. Broken families, children without both of their parents, hurt from divorce, spousal abandonment, rejection, all these things, terrible, terrible hurts because we think we can just do whatever we want to with something as sacred as the bond between a man and a wife and marriage and the children that come from that. Let's stop pretending that this world is all there is because we are making a mess of this world by pretending that it's merely the visible and we are in control. So today, let's, let's meditate on the angels, these heavenly beings <laughs> that remind us there is more to life than meets the eye. There's an entire another invisible world we do not see, and it is powerful. 
We, we do not become angels when we die. We are, we are human beings. Angels are an entire another order of being. But in God's great mystery, he looks down upon us and says, these human beings have made a mess of things. They need help. And praise God, he sends us help. He gives us all the choirs of angels to help us, and especially each of us, an individual guardian angel. So let's, let's call out to them. Let's ask the divine assistance that God gives us in our, our friends, the angels. We need to return our focus to something that is just beyond the visible, to the, the invisible reality created by God that we tend to ignore. Today, let us humbly come before God with our guardian angels and return to the, the truth, the reality that can't be gained in an experiment, the truth that there is a reality to this world that is beyond what meets the eye.